We are going to be in Ephesians 4, 17 through 32 tonight. So if you got your Bible, your phone, Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. Otherwise, it will be on the screen. So one of the, the things that I didn't really realize was weird about me until people were telling me that's weird, and I don't even think it's that weird, but I do deep YouTube dives on bizarre topics. So when it's warm out, I just will watch like video after video of lawn care, like so many, like how to aerate your like lawn and stuff like that, the right fertilizers to use, those sorts of things. You do too, Jack, add a boy. You need to know, you need to know what to do with your lawn. Uh, during the NFL, I'm just constant NFL YouTube videos, just deep dives. Watched, um, I think my favorite video of the last season was Tyreek Hill, every touchdown that he's made for the Chiefs. It was just perfect because it was like every, every next like play, I was like, is he going to get a touchdown? And he always did. It was incredible. And because the Chiefs are awesome, there was just a lot of plays to watch, which was great. Uh, tax season, so I'm in a deep Dave Ramsey dive right now. So in all honesty, I'll probably go home tonight, make a frozen pizza, and pull up Dave Ramsey and just start going hard with Dave Ramsey. In fact, okay, I, okay, I wasn't, I was like looking at my YouTube page to like jog my memory of what like the different deep dives I was in. And I saw a Dave Ramsey video that really piqued my interest. And like in the middle of sermon prep today, I was like almost like, oh, I just got to watch it. So I, it's waiting for me. I know. I, I have the title memorized. I can't wait to get back. A really crazy weird one that happened a couple months ago, and I don't even know how I got to this YouTube deep dive, but I did. I looked up uh, exotic pets owned by normal people, and it got weird real fast. The best one was probably this like Brazilian family. They like heard a zoo was closing, and they just showed up and got seven tigers like massive, normal-sized tigers. It's like this normal, not normal family, like just shows up, normal in the sense of like no credentials to take care of tigers. And they get seven tigers. And it, he like built these cages in his backyard and they had a swimming pool. And this dude is just walking the tiger around like it's a dog. And he has a pink leash for it. And you're like, what the heck is wrong with you, man? And his daughters are like swimming with tigers in the pool. And they're like hanging on to their backs and stuff. The thing that like freaked the snot out of me was they put like a toddler on top of the back of this tiger. I'm like, dude, what on earth are you doing? And it, so like, it's just massive. It just takes up, there's a picture of them at one point and it's as long as the couch that all of them are sitting on. The guy's crazy. And so I start looking up stats on exotic animals as pets. And there are more tigers as exotic pets, privately owned pets, than there are in the wilderness. Is that crazy? That is wild. And it's stupid. It's stupid. Okay, I know this is a long time frame, but it was 20, over the course of 20 years, there were 1,600 attacks and 75 deaths which doesn't sound like that much, but how many people do you know that have tigers? Not that many. A tiger's gonna kill you. Like it's gonna freaking kill you. You get super comfortable with this thing that is dangerous and will kill you and like will toss you like a rag doll. And here this guy is like walking around with a leash. The other stats real quick was the snakes that people have, like anacondas and constrictors and mambas and vipers and 
I hate snakes. I straight up hate snakes. If you own a snake as a pet, you are weird and I am never coming to your house. As a kid, I had this like recurring dream where snakes would like be in my bed with me and I had it. I know it's like, it just ruined me. I hate snakes. I kill them like because I hate them. I'll touch them, but then I'll kill them. That's what I do to snakes because I hate snakes. They're weird. But so I'm watching this video and, you know, as I'm watching it and he's like putting his kids on the backs of these tigers and walking it around, it's just like you have become comfortable with something that is so dangerous and so often results in being attacked and even killed. And this Brazilian family and then all of the other YouTube videos, which I got into on these exotic pets, all these people, the same thing was true of them. They had gotten incredibly comfortable with something that was dangerous. And that at any second, that tiger would turn and say, you look like food and I'm going to devour you. And here's what we're going to find tonight in Ephesians 4. There are things in our life, even if we don't have pet tigers, that are actually pet tigers. Things that we've become incredibly comfortable with that will actually kill us if we don't recognize what they are. Things that we've been incredibly comfortable with that are incredibly dangerous. And what we're going to see is we're going to see Paul talk about a list of sins. And these are sins that some of them are obvious, but a lot of them, as I've been reflecting on this passage, are ones that are really subtle and become really comfortable when they're present in our life. And we fail to realize that sin will kill us. Sin will kill us. And we cannot become comfortable with them. We can't control them with a leash because they're dangerous. So we're going to look at this passage. The main point for tonight is sin will kill us. Sin will kill you. And here's the three things we're going to do. We're going to look at why is sin dangerous. Second, we're going to see what this this life of sin that we should reject and take off is. And then we're going to see this new life in Christ that we're called to be living in. So Ephesians 4, 17 through 32, it'll be on the screen. Otherwise, follow along in your Bibles with me. He says this, Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you came to know Christ assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. 
You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. All right, so let's work through this. Question number one, why is sin so dangerous? So if the main point tonight is sin will kill you, what makes it so dangerous? So he starts out and says, therefore, 17, I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer live as the Gentiles live. So when he says how the Gentiles live, he's talking about this, this he's using it as to describe the entire world. There's a way and a lifestyle of the world that shall no longer characterize us who are in Christ. Why? Because in the futility of their thoughts, they are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God. Because there's this way of life that characterizes the world. And it is the twisted in their thoughts. There's, their understanding is darkened. And the problem with that is this futility of thinking and this darkening of understanding leads to being excluded from the life of God. This way of life that is characteristic of the world leads to being excluded from the life of God. What is the opposite of the life of God? It's death. Sin will kill you. Living a life that resembles the lifestyle of the world around us is dangerous and will kill us. He goes on 19. He says, because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts, they became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with the desire for more and more. Sin will kill you. And for so many of us, we we, sin has become just this pet tiger that we become so comfortable with. And sin has become this, this tiger that we think that we can control on a leash. It's like, it's not that big of a deal. The way, what I'm struggling with, it, I have it under control. It's manageable. It's not that big of a deal. And we think that we can control it and we become comfortable with it. And we don't realize that it is a tiger that is dangerous. And it totally is. It says that this sin, this lifestyle of the world leads to exclusion from the life of God. It leads to death. Sin will kill you. And this living in ignorance and this living in the hardness of heart and this callousness and this, this futility of thinking and darkening of understanding leads to death. And, and the, the, the thinking that we can control it, it says that we desire more and more. We get a little bit of sin and it just takes over. Guys, a tiger, Ernie was telling me this, is an apex predator, which is a crazy two-word phrase. Apex predator, that is cool. That means that in its environment, there is nothing that can threaten it. It is the top dog predator in its environment and nothing can harm it. Guys, sin is an apex predator in our life. You cannot control it. The deception of sin is to think that you can give it a little, that you can enjoy just a little, you can be comfortable with just a little, you can tolerate just a little and you'll be fine. But sooner or later, you're gonna join the 1600 people who've been attacked by their pet. And that sin is gonna destroy your life. And this, it's all over scripture. Earlier in Ephesians, in Ephesians 2.1, it said that we are dead in our trespasses in sin. 
Romans 6, 23 says that the wages of sin is death. What does sin deserve? It deserves death. In Proverbs 7, there's this story of a guy who gets sucked into an adulterous relationship. And here's what Proverbs 7 describes of him in verse 21. It says, she seduces him with her persistent pleading. She lures him with her flattering talk. He follows her impulsively like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer bounding toward a trap until an arrow pierces its liver like a bird darting into a snare. He does not know it will cost him his life. He's allured by sin. Sin says, just a little, just a little, come, 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 come. Little does he know that it will cost him his life. And then it goes on, it says in verse 26, for she has brought many down to death. Her victims are countless. Her house is the road to Sheol, descending to the chambers of death. Right before in Proverbs 1, there's this scene where wisdom is calling out and people reject wisdom. It says this in verse 29, because they hated knowledge, didn't choose to fear the Lord, were not interested in my counsel and rejected all my correction, they will eat the fruit of their way and be glutted with their own schemes. For the apostasy of the inexperienced will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Guys, this is not a pet kitten. And that is how we think of our sin a lot of times. We become so comfortable with it and so used to it and so tolerant of it that for most of us, we see it as this kitten when in fact it is an apex predator. The apostasy of the inexperienced will kill them. The complacency of fools will destroy them. And there is an urgency about our sin that we are so often unaware of. And we become so comfortable with compromise. So comfortable with compromise. When there's this apex predator luring, waiting to consume and destroy. Guys, this is the danger of sin. It deceives us into thinking that we can control it with a leash. We become comfortable with it and then it destroys And here's the reality. For those of us who are in Christ, this death from sin, it's not an eternal death. If you're in Christ, your hope is the eternal security of eternal life that God has secured for us on the cross. But there is for sure a death that we can experience here and now in this life because of the consequence of sin. And guys, there have been so many students over the years Back in Ames, I'm sitting with a student whose dad had just completely obliterated his family because of an affair. And as I'm sitting with that student, listening to him share how his dad has completely devastated him, his siblings, and their entire life, you can't tell me that that family wasn't experiencing a form of death. That is death. As I have a buddy that just ruined his relationship because he never took care of his pornography addiction. And the girl that he wanted to marry and a girl that wanted to marry him that was amazing, he absolutely devastated because of his pornography problem. And he's experiencing a form of death. And guys, and sin can literally physically kill us. Guys, I was such an idiot in college. My first month of college, I was partying and making such stupid decisions that literally I wonder how close 
so many of those nights, those Friday nights, I was from death itself because of the stupidity and, and the party scene that I was a part of. Guys, sin will kill you. Don't let it deceive you. Guys, you have as much control over your sin as that Brazilian dude had over that tiger with that leash. There's an illusion of control that sin wants you to think you have. And then it consumes. And then it devours. Then it destroys. And it excludes us, like Ephesians 4 is saying, from the life of God. This, this lifestyle that characterizes the world around us, this living according to the way the Gentiles live and the callousness of their heart that just suppresses in any sensitivity towards sin in our life leads to death and leads to a dangerous place. And my question to you is, have you become comfortable with compromise? You're like, hey, my sin isn't that big of a deal. It's not that big. It, it's, I have it handled. But have you become comfortable with compromise? Have you been okay with the areas of integrity that you are like, ah, I'm, I'm going to compromise there. Not a big deal. Because guys, that is the illusion and deception of sin that gives you a sense of control that makes you comfortable, but devours and destroys. It excludes us from the life of God. So if that's why sin's dangerous, what, what are we to do? Well, he transitions to, to this uh, paragraph in verse 20. So it says, but this is not, that is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to the likenesses in righteousness and purity of the truth. Guys, when you place your faith in Jesus in that moment, in that instant, in the sight of God, you, be, you receive the perfect righteousness of Christ. Your record of Fs gets replaced by Jesus's record of A pluses, and that is called justification. In that moment, you will be no more holy the day you die than the day you put your faith in Jesus. That's amazing. And then from there, we begin this process of taking off the former life that once characterized us, but is still present and putting on the new life that is more and more characterizing us. We call this sanctification. It's the process of becoming free from sin and more like Christ. And this is what he's talking about. He's saying, hey, let's take off the old self, verse 22, to take off your former way of life, the old self that's corrupted by deceitful desires and put on to be renewed in spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. This is the process that begins at the point that you put your faith in Christ and is ongoing for the rest of your life until Christ returns and we're fully restored from our free from sin fully and fully uh, behave what is true of us positionally before God as righteous is now true of us behaviorally in ourselves. That's glorification. So what does that mean? How do we 
take off this former life and put on this new life? Well, the second question that we're going to wrestle with is, is what is this former life? What characterized this former life? So he's going to give us a list now for the rest of the passage of what this former life once looked like. So first, let's identify what this former life is, and then we'll move towards putting on this new life. So the former life, he actually mentions one characteristic of the former life in verse 19. He says this, they became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with desire for more and more. Sexual impurity. Guys, God designed such a great gift in sex to be enjoyed in the context of marriage. Guys, physically speaking, sex is one of the most intimate and vulnerable activities that a human can experience and therefore requires an equal amount of trust and commitment to be enjoyed fully in a healthy way. That is why God designed sex to be enjoyed in marriage. But here's the reality. This is an area that we so often distort and so often compromise. And we get into a relationship and we so long for this sense of approval and love that maybe hasn't been present in our life or we've just so desired from a romantic relationship and we compromise and we give ourselves a pass to enjoy something that is reserved for another context. Guys, the last statistic I heard was that 50% of people, men and women, are regularly viewing pornography. That, and it's true for Christian, non-Christian, this room, not in this room. That statistically speaking, 50% of people are regularly viewing pornography. In a ma- that, there is such a distortion and, and cruelness to pornography. On a societal level, it completely reshapes and distorts our view of what human dignity and value and worth is before the sight of God. Individually, it completely distorts and twists our view of that for ourselves, that we have value and worth in the sight of God being created in his image. And it completely calls into question the value and approval that we have in Christ. And it com- communicates such a distorted message that something outside of us needs to give us approval and significance if we're going to be worth anything. And with that comes such loads of shame and guilt and weight. And yet a lot of us do not take drastic action to to fight and make war against this sin. And guys, this is a tiger on a leash. Do you compromise sexually? Why do you compromise sexually? Is it to to get a sense of approval and love? Is it to to get a sense of security, to find, man, if I just slept with one more girl, then I know that I have significance in this world. Why? The list continues down in verse 25. He says, lying. Therefore, put away lying. Speak truth to each other, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Do you speak the truth? And Maybe not like blatant lives, but do you speak the truth or do you bend the truth to avoid embarrassment? Do you bend it in a way that makes you look better than you should or, or to, make, to, to, to not be embarrassed by a mistake that you made? To skew maybe the perception of the person you're trying to talk to. Do you speak the truth? Or are you allowing dishonesty to get comfortable in your life? Anger, verse 26, he says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. 
Guys, he says there's a, a, an anger that is righteous and good, but in that anger, don't allow sin to come in. And the reality is that in that anger and in that moment of, of frustration, so often it leads to a lack of self-control, a lack of gentleness, a lack of care, a lack of compassion uh, and rage and a loose tongue. Are you an angry person? Is there just anger that is constantly under the surface for you? Are you easily set off? Why? What in that moment is being threatened in your life that is causing such a response? Is it your reputation? Is it your name? Is it your ability? What is it? Why are you having this such visceral, emotional response that leads to out of control behavior? Are you an angry person? Or are you characterized by gentleness and compassion and, and forgiveness and patience? Stealing, verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. At this point, probably a lot of you are like, whew, all right, I'm not robbing banks. I'm good on this. Not holding people up at gunpoint. Give me your money. Most of us probably aren't. Though maybe that has been part of your past, which if it is, you are totally welcome. We, we love bank robbers. You guys are cool and we think of, of cool movies when we think of you. But guys, as I reflected on this stealing one, this is actually more subtle than you might think. So I actually thought about my time in, at Iowa State when I was on staff with Salt Company. And Iowa State had this great bus system that was just incredible. And it was so well run and so organized. And so if you were a student at Iowa State with your ID card, you could get onto any bus free of charge and it was great. So I was on staff with Salt my first year and I still had my ID card in my wallet. And I, I'm pretty sure at least one time I got onto the bus, showed my ID, sat down in immediate conviction. I'm like, I am totally robbing Ride of $1.25 right now. But that was actual stealing. Like you can't define that any other way than theft. I was totally freeloading and stealing a ride on Ride. And so what I did is I took that out of my wallet and like left it on the desk because I never wanted to do that again. But guys, there's really actually subtle ways that we steal. There really are. And it might not be holding up a bank, but there are legit subtle ways that we steal and take things that aren't ours or access services that we haven't paid for. We borrow this this thing from this person so that we can use that service. Are you stealing? And I hear really subtle ways of people sharing gym passes, of people sharing whatever. It's like, there's no way to say that's anything but theft. Are you getting comfortable with compromise? Are you comfortable with these small lapses in integrity? Because if you are, sin will kill you. Swapping gym passes, using side-ride passes that are not valid anymore. It might look like a kitten, but that's the deceptive leash of the tiger that is waiting to devour and consume. Foul language, 29. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. Don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed for him for the day of redemption. Is your tongue a source of life or a source of death? 
Is your tongue more characteristic of the lifestyle of the world and the, the way that Gentiles live? Or is it the characteristic of the way that someone who was bought by Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit, would speak? Is it a source of blessing or cursing? 31, he lists several relational sins. He says, let all bitterness anger and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice. Guys, is there relational conflict and bitterness present in any of your relationships? Because he says all, let all bitterness, anger and wrath, shouting, slander be removed. Is that present? Because if it is, that's compromise. And it's compromise that you become comfortable with and it brings callousness to the heart and it brings death. And then he lists Several things to put on in our new life in Christ. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God forgave you in Christ. Guys, do these things describe you? Are these things present in your life? Have you become comfortable with these compromises? Because if you have, my plea with you is to see the tiger that is on the leash, ready to devour and consume. Guys, where do we go from here? Question number three, how do we put on this new life? So I, got, I take several guys through this in, in my D groups and in different small group environments, but I have five things of just super practical things to kill sin in our life, a pathway forward. So number one, adoration of Christ. Guys, we have to be convinced of Romans 8.1, which says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. To see him as beautiful and to, to pursue after him. Number two, we need to love God's word. Psalm 119.11 says that I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 1.2 says, blessed is the one who delights in the law of the word. He's like a, a tree planted by streams of water. Guys, a love of God's word cultivates our relationship with God and makes us the sort of person who delights and loves the things of God and rejects and hates the things of the world. Third practical thing, hatred of sin. Guys, we have to see sin the way God sees sin. And that is as something that brings death. Guys, just take pornography for a second. That it, it contributes to sex trafficking. Millions of people are enslaved in sex trafficking. We need to see how abhorrent that is and hate sin and our participation in it. Four can't remember if it's radical amputation. Yep, that one. Radical amputation, wisdom steps. There's no particular order except number one is pretty important to be number one. Guys, radical amputation, wisdom steps. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 29 and 30, he says, hey, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. You wanna know why? Because it's way more inconvenient to deal with the death that sin brings than the inconvenience of radical amputation. Guys, it is... So part of my story is, is, was being trapped in pornography in junior high, and, and that went on through college. And I did some radical things to get free from that. Radical. And they were crazy inconvenient. I boxed up my computer. I had a dumb phone. I used campus computers. I did crazy things. Why? Because it would be so much more inconvenient right now to look at my wife, who is the second greatest gift that I've ever received, and to look at my precious daughter, who I love and delight in, and to look at my son that I want to be a man of integrity and example for, and have to ruin them 
because I never dealt with sin. You know, it's way less inconvenient saying, I don't need a freaking laptop. I don't need a freaking Instagram account. I don't need that crap. Because what's more inconvenient is dealing with the death that sin brings. Guys, radical amputation is inconvenient. It's crazy inconvenient. But it's so worth it to avoid the inconvenience of the consequence of death. Number five, high stakes accountability. So in Acts 19, as people are being uh, or as people are starting to understand the gospel more fully, what they do is they come and they disclose their p- evil practices that once defined them. And they're disclosing these practices. Why? Because they found freedom in Christ. They found freedom in, in, in Jesus. And they come and they share what once characterized them so that they can bring that in the light because sin dies in the light. You need high stakes accountability in your life. So for me, that looks like my wife. That looks like my boss, Cody Klein. That looks like Ernie and Nick and Josiah and pulling in guys around me that are, are men of integrity, men of character that can call my crap out. Guys, in the midst of looking at this sin list, in the midst of thinking about the deadliness of sin, it, it can be crazy overwhelming. It can be really overwhelming because as I'm like looking at this and becoming more aware of God's standard for my life and seeing this list of sin that I so often compromise on, it's overwhelming. It's like, man, I just keep getting more aware of the gap that is between my behavior and God's holiness. But you know what happens as we become more aware of that gap? We begin to appreciate and adore and worship Jesus in a completely new way. Because what we begin to realize and remember is that there was a time when Jesus was excluded from the life of God so that we who were once trapped in sin and deserved death could have life. Because Jesus on the cross was excluded from the life of, of God and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that we could have life. Because when that is the thing that we are centered on, because our life is going to be this path that is marked by ups and downs. It's going to be this jagged line, but we will be more and more people that are taking off the former life and putting on the new life that we have in Christ. Guys, we love you so much. We are, we're super bummed that we're not going to see you for, for a while. Let's be vigilant in prayer. We're going to do a bunch of things over the next couple of weeks. We're gonna have a creative idea meeting next week to figure out what it looks like to be a remote ministry. But let this one thing be true of us, that we are people that are captivated by the beauty of Jesus and that leads us to kill sin and pursue Christ-likeness in our life. Why? Because we wanna be people marked by faithfulness And we want to be people who are aware and free from the reality that sin brings death. Guys, let's pray. God, we love you. Um, Yeah. I am so comfortable with compromise so often. And there's so often when when following you is really inconvenient. And, And loving you and obeying you is inconvenient. And, and Lord, I, I confess that, that I 
think that I can control these areas in my life where I'm not following you and I think I can compromise them and be okay. But God, I pray that I would wake up to the reality that sin brings death. And God, that I won't be that, that simpleton in Proverbs 7 that is being drawn away by sin, that is, is walking to the slaughterhouse like an ox, who's darting into a snare like a bird, who's stepping into a noose like a deer. God, that I won't be blind to what sin is, but that I'd be aware of it. And God, that in the midst of that, that I'd hear the call of wisdom to pursue knowing you, to pursue fearing you, to see Jesus as beautiful, to see the sacrifice he made by being excluded from you and the life that is in you, forsaken on the cross so that I could be drawn in and have a life that I don't deserve. And God, I pray that as I, as I become more and more aware of that, that my life would be more and more characterized by my new life in Christ and less and less characterized by my old life apart from you. I'm so thankful for the grace and the forgiveness that we've received in Christ. I pray that we'd be free from these sins and, and wouldn't be comfortable with compromise. God, we love you. Amen. Hey, guys, so as the band comes up, why don't you just take a minute to pray where you're at. Um, to reflect on this list. Ask God, man, where are these areas of compromise that I've become comfortable with? Where is sin deceiving me, thinking that I can control it? And then, and then contemplate the, the brokenness that we become aware of as we read a list like this and consider the beauty of Jesus who, who was excluded on our behalf so that we could have the hope of life. So where you're at, take some time to, to, to pray to God.